This is an ABC podcast. Fierce. Girl power. This is a story of a girl who used her pen to fight for the rights of Indigenous Australians. Ujuru Nunakul. Read by Gamilla Roy and Dungati writer. Podcast maker, Marley Silver. And if you're an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person, we want to let you know that this episode contains the name of someone who has died. Ouch! Kathleen rubbed her swollen hand. It was the fifth time that day her teacher had whacked her over the knuckles with a ruler. We write with the right, the teacher said. You know that, Kathleen Jean Rusker. Kathleen couldn't help it. Her brain was wired to write with the left. But in the olden days, lefties weren't allowed. As soon as you reach for a pencil with the wrong hand, whack! It made Kathleen feel like an outcast. I'm a freak, she thought. A loner. It wasn't until she reached the water's edge on the way home that she felt like she truly belonged. No one bothered her there. It was just the sea, the sand, the birds, the fish, Minjetaba, or, as white people called it, North Stradbroke Island. But Kathleen's mum and dad made her go to school. Her mum was from the Peewee clan, and she was one of the stolen generations. Those were kids who were taken from their families by the government and put into institutions where they were taught to live like white people. Lots never saw their parents again. Kathleen's mum was raised by nuns who read her the Bible every day, but they never taught her how to read. I don't want you to be like me, Kathleen's mum said. I want you to have an education. Please try. Kathleen grumbled, but she did try. She hated maths and geography. She didn't mind art and books. She built things out of words. Like a bricklayer with bricks, she said. If you have to teach the light, teach us first to read and write. Kathleen's dad also pushed her to study. He was a Nunakal man, but he didn't think his seven kids would ever get anywhere unless they copied their white classmates. You have to be just as good as them, he said. And if you can't be just as good, you have to be better. Our old way has gone. They'll never recognise Aboriginal culture. Kathleen listened, but she didn't agree. Let no one say the past is dead. The past is all about us and within. Kathleen could feel her culture inside. She had Scottish, German and Spanish heritage, but it was her Aboriginality that made her heart beat. She was Nunakul, like her land. And even though her dad said the old ways would disappear, he still followed them at home. They never ate white man food. They hunted and feasted on pipis and oysters. They built shelters from branches and paperbark. And they told stories by the light of the campfire always. We are the quiet daybreak, paling the dark lagoon. We are the shadow ghosts, creeping back as the campfires burn low. We are nature, 
and the past, all the old ways. When Kathleen was 13, she left school. Her parents weren't disappointed. It was just the done thing. Aboriginal kids didn't go to high school. They went to work. Another day for measly pay, Kathleen said. She tied up her apron. She was a maid for rich white people. This is so boring, she'd say. Then she'd quit, find a new fancy family with a new fancy house and a new apron. This is so boring, she'd say. Then she'd quit, find a new fancy family and so on and so on. Kathleen wasn't allowed in her boss's libraries, but she didn't care. When no one was looking, she devoured their books. Blessed with everything she prized, trained and safe and civilised, much she has that they have not, but is hers the happier lot? Kathleen got married, had kids, and became known as Kath Walker. But as she grew older, she wondered if her dad was right. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders are forgotten people, she thought. Something has to change. Kath had started writing poetry for fun, but her words were evolving. She was venting her frustration and expressing her sorrow on the page. She was writing for change. Her pen was a weapon. Must we native old Australians in our own land rank as aliens? Kath was more than a writer. She was an activist. She dipped her toes in politics and joined the Australian Communist Party. But she quit when they tried to take charge of writing her speeches. She joined the Federal Council for the Advancement of Aborigines and Torres Strait Islanders, demanding equal rights for Indigenous people. Kath wanted the constitution changed. That's the most important rule book in the country so that the Australian government could create laws to help improve the lives of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. The change would also mean that they were included in the census. That's a survey that counts everyone in the population. Kath travelled to Canberra with a delegation of strong Indigenous people campaigning for change. Kath Walker, said an official sounding person, you and your friends are invited to meet with the Prime Minister of Australia, Robert Menzies. Be there in two hours, please. Kath puffed out her chest, lifted her chin and marched into Parliament House. We want to vote, she said. Let white Australians choose yes or no. They can decide if we should be counted. Give us welcome, not aversion. Give us choice, not cold coercion. Status, not discrimination. Human rights, not segregation. The Prime Minister heard Kath's concerns, but did not quite seem to understand just how different life was for Aboriginal people. He offered her a glass of sherry. Mr Prime Minister, you could be jailed for offering me a drink, Kath said. It was illegal for Aboriginal people to buy and consume alcohol in her home state. Awkward. Kath left Parliament House with a spring in her step. And although that Prime Minister didn't hold a referendum, the next one, Harold Holt, did. 
did. Kath finally sensed change in the air. New rights will greet us. New mateship meet us. And joy complete us in our new dream time. Kath had also gained respect in an elite circle she never imagined would accept her as one of their own, the literary community. Kath, darling, we love your work. Kath Walker, your writing is superb. Kath, sweetheart, would you speak at my lady's lunch? Kath's poetry collection, We Are Going, sold more than 10,000 copies. That was a lot for an Australian book. It made her an official bestseller. She was even awarded an MBE. That stands for Member of the Order of the British Empire, aka a very, very big deal. Kath's ink continued to flow, but an anger still simmered beneath her skin. Australia had so much more to learn about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, especially about their past and the fact they were original custodians of the land, way before white men arrived. So when Australia began to plan its biggest party of all time, bicentennial celebrations, Kath and many others were utterly insulted. The event would mark 200 years since the arrival of the first fleet of British convict ships, as if that was when the country's history began. Dark Brothers, first Australian race. Soon you will take your rightful place. Kath drove to Government House and banged on the door. I'd like to hand back my MBE, she called out. This is not a time for celebration. And then she turned on her heels and headed home. Kath missed Minjeraba. She missed the sea, the sands, the birds, the fish. She missed the old ways. The scrubs are gone, the hunting and the laughter. The eagle is gone, the emu and the kangaroo are gone from this place. The bora ring is gone, the corroboree is gone. And we are going. Kath signed her name. It didn't look right. I'm not Kath Walker, she thought. That's an English identity. She tried something new. Ujuru, an Aboriginal word for paperback tree. A new knuckle. Her tribe. That's better, she said. I'm Ujuru new knuckle. Always was always will be. Ujuru moved back to Minjeraba and started a centre called Mungalba, an Aboriginal word for sitting down place. Thousands of children, black and white, travelled to Mungalba to learn the old ways from Ujuru. Aboriginal knowledge belongs to everyone, Ujuru said. The hope for a better way of life rests with these children learning together. To our fathers' fathers, the pain, the sorrow. To our children's children, the glad tomorrow. What an amazing woman Uduru Nunakal was, especially for someone like me, who's not only an Aboriginal girl, but a left-hander too. She continues to inspire me every single day. My name's Marley Silva. I'm a Gamilaroi and Dungari author, podcast maker, and the founder of Titters for Titters. Make sure you check back soon for the next episode of Fierce Girls. 
stay fierce. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Fierce Girls. If you need more fierceness in your life, make sure you check back soon for the next episode of Fierce Girls we've made just for you. It's all about Celeste Barber, the girl who took the world by storm, one funny photo at a time. Celeste Barber sprawled out in her undies on a big pile of dirt. She was recreating a ridiculous pose from one of the biggest stars on social media, Kim Kardashian. She captioned it, hashtag challenge accepted. People thought it was so hilarious. Soon, Celeste herself was one of the biggest stars on social media. Journalists called her a role model for body positivity, but Celeste wasn't trying to prove any point with her pics. She just wanted to make people laugh. As her followers grew and grew, big businesses asked Celeste to help sell their products, usually for weight loss. No way, Celeste said. That's lame. I want to use my profile for good. When bushfires raged across Australia, Celeste called in a favour from her millions of fans. Please help any way you can. Donations poured in from all over the world and Celeste raised more than $50 million for firefighters. $50 million. Challenge accepted and challenge conquered. Celeste Barber was way more than Insta-famous. She was a hero. And to hear more awesome episodes of Fierce Girls for free, go to the ABC Listen app or anywhere you get your podcast. Roll the credits. Fierce Girls is produced by a bunch of super fierce women and a couple of snazzy guys. It's produced by Tamar Kranswick and Sam Wicks, with special thanks to Danielle Browning. The executive producers are Justine Kelly and Rachel Fountain. The stories are written by the uber-talented Samantha Turnbull. David LeMay is the amazing audio engineer who puts in all the cool sound effects, like this one. Fierce Girls is a production of ABC Audio Studios. Over and out.